Green Green Left Weekly Weekly Radio. There's one newspaper that is independent of powerful capitalist interests, and that is Green Left Weekly. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, ecological sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas that the mainstream media won't. Green Left is a leading source of local, national and international news with analysis, discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movement. It helps expose the lies of the capitalist press and puts the voices of the marginalised and the oppressed at the centre of fighting for a better world and helps us understand the political developments unfolding around us. Good morning. You are listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. And you are joined today by Jacob Antwafer, and we also have in the studio Rob Zocchi uh, from Socialist Alliance. That's me, and I just got here just in time, 7am. This is a tough gig, but well worth doing. Yeah, and we actually have two more presenters coming, um, Zane and Chloe, but they're just running a bit late uh, um, but also, some of our listeners are probably relieved to um, have us back this this Friday, um, because actually last Friday we weren't able to do a live program because of um, yeah because I think that we just had too much on in terms of um, our presenters just had too much on in terms of the um, Invasion Day protest, which is actually what I wanted to kind of start off. Uh, on. I'll give a bit of a rundown of what we have coming up, but. We're going to be we're going to be having an interview with Peter Boyle on Labor's stage three light tax cuts, which is one of these one of those um, funny announcements from the Labor Party because basically the Labor Party we've been in our program we've been very critical of the fact that the Labor Party has basically continued. Um, the Liberal Party's stage three tax um, cuts from when Scott Morrison was in office. And, of course, the problem, the critique that we've always had at Green Left Radio and Green Left is that these tax cuts were, uh, in a sense, basically just give a big handout to very high-income owners. And, um, and... the, and in a sense, they, and in a sense, someone in a high income bracket will basically be getting a huge, a huge tax cut where someone on a lower income, um, won't necessarily get a significant amount. But of course, now they, now they're basically promoting the idea that, oh, this is actually, this, this, these stage three tax cuts actually have something for everyone because they've, um, lowered the, the tax, um, the tax threshold by which people get some kind of benefit. So, that we're going to be discussing, um, we're going to be discussing all the kind of genetics of that with with Peter Boyle, who's written a very good article for Green Left on this topic. Then we're going to be speaking to Sue Bolton, um, Marybeck councillor and member of Socialist Alliance. Now we're going to be having her on to just have a bit of a, a bit of a good discussion about some of the recent developments that have happened in the Palestine campaign. Well, especially the recent ICJ court ruling in South Africa, but also the cutting of the UNWRA by the Albanese government. So I think we, we have an article, um, there's an article available on Green Left, um, on Labor doubling down on, on support for genocide in Gaza. So I think encourage listeners to sort of read that. Then between all our presenters, um, we'll be talking, we'll be having a bit of a news discussion, drawing on some feature Green Left, uh, articles. 
Um, there's quite a lot of new, good news, um, interest, um, important news stories to kind of discuss, um, including Scott Morrison's new uh, military kind of point, uh, appointment, um, the kind of threats that are being faced um, by, by school teachers who are speaking out for Palestine. And then also we want to have a bit of a discussion about uh, the US, British and Australian attacks on Yemen and how they're spreading uh, the, the Middle Eastern war. So that's a, those are what we sort of have, um, that's what we have lined up for the program this, this week. And um, hope listeners have a, uh, we, we have a, hope, I hope listeners enjoy, um, enjoy what we have to offer this week. Okay. So. I wanted to kind of start off with, um, I guess a bit of a, bit of a reflection on, on some of the past week of protests that have, uh, that have happened. And, um, I would say that it, I, I want to kind of start a bit of discussion around Invasion Day that actually happened last Friday because I thought that Invasion Day this year was, um, was in particular very inspiring in a lot of ways in the context of Everything that is happening in Palestine, the, the ongoing genocide, and what was quite striking was there in at every sort of major protest in the in the cities, First Nations solidarity between the First Nations community and Palestinians was very much a prominent kind of feature, and in fact many. If, if for many who were at the protests, um, we saw that there were many who wore, um, many marchers who wore the kafia as a statement of solidarity with Palestine. And the other thing as well is a lot of Palestinians, you know, strongly identify with the First Nations people's struggle against colonization and the stealing of their land. Because at the end of the day, when we're, when we're, we're talking about, you know, so-called, um, Australia, um, it is ultimately, you know, a product of settler col- um, colonization and ultimately Israel is a settler colonial kind of project that is, deve- that has been founded on the basis of dispossession of its original inhabitants. And, you know, what we're kind of seeing, um, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing that actually play out right in front of our eyes. So, I think, you know, the fact that there was such strong solidarity and I think the protests were in particular pretty large, although my, my estimates is I think it wasn't necessarily any smaller or larger than previous Invasion Day protests. Um, but of course, the, the size, the average size of, of Invasion Day protests is extremely large and the fact that these mobilizations keep happening every year is extremely important. Especially since it's ultimately kind of challenges the so-called um, this so this, the nationalism and the the patriotism that's kind of pushed every year with with Australia Day. But yeah, I, don't, I wonder if um, Rob, you have any sort of extra com- comments you want to sort of add to that? Absolutely. Um, I'm a kind of semi-official crowd counter, and um, you know, with the Palestine rallies that have been happening every week since seventh uh, of October. I sit there in, in my favourite pub and I watch the uh, crowds going by and I, I count. And on, on a couple of occasions they were about 100,000. Now, for Invasion Day, I wanted to do that. I, I wanted to see how many people have turned up for this. And I couldn't. Um, it, there were too many people. I, I struggled to even find a pub where I could sit and watch. And there was no way 
I could count. So I've got no idea. I have no damned idea how many people there were supporting Invasion Day. And, you know, I, I, I was in Sydney in 1988 for the so-called bicentenary celebrations, and I was actually um, uh, one of the very few protesters. That's 1988. What I have noticed, though, is that every year the Invasion Day protests get larger. They definitely do get larger. And the pro-Aussie nationalist people get smaller. And I had no trouble, I had big trouble, as I said, counting how many protesters there were. But I had absolutely no trouble counting how many Australian flags I saw. Would you like, listeners, dear listeners, to hear how many Aussie flags I saw? And it was one, two, two. Only two people. I don't know how they even show their face. But anyway, I guess they're naive. Yeah. And I also think, I mean, we had this discussion, I think, a number of weeks ago when we were talking about um, the decision by Woolworths um, to not sell Australia Day um, merchandise. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things about Australia Day was, is that historically, it's not necessarily been this sort of big kind of day um, of celebration. Mm. And and in fact, it's only been by, it's only been through the actions of conservative governments, um, such as the John Howard government, that they've really kind of pushed the kind of idea that the kind of nationalism and uh, of, of Australia Day. So I think there's, um, so I think it is, it is, um, it is sort of it. It very much shows how weak the, this whole um, the, the whole foundation for this um, for this for the celebration is. That you know, after two thousand um, from two thousand fifteen, which was when the Invasion Day protests started to get very large in size, that we um, that we started to outnumber the the the, the very cringe uh, Australia Day kind of parade and. And um, and then in subsequent years, uh, most state governments, well, at least the Victorian state government, have you know essentially cancelled their Australia Day parades because they've essentially got disrupted by by the the big massive protests um, every time. And I guess one other reflection of of like how um, how wide this movement is getting, um, there was a there was a there was a bit there was a bit of a there was a news story. Um, there, basically, there was a Captain Cook memorial um, that uh, got vandalised, and um, this this was uh, I think I'm pretty sure this um, this if I'm, I'm if I'm correct this stone memorial is ba- was based um, at at the Edinburgh um, Gardens in Fitzroy North, and it was toppled and spray painted with the words "Cook the Colony" on, and that happened I think on the da- on on um, on. I think, I mean, there was actually a, actually no, there's actually multiple Captain Cook statues, so just let me get the record straight. Um, the main one that the media, the corporate media got in hysteria about was the cutting down of a Captain Cook statue in St Kilda. Mm. Um, now, the Victorian Premier, Jacinta Allen, has been very quick to say that she will offer support for councils to repair and restore the monuments that were vandalised. But what's interesting is um, in Fitzroy North, um, you know, um, 
the ca- local council there is actually considering permanently removing the, um, the Captain Cook Memorial that has very much been repeatedly vandalised. And so I think that's actually very, very um, uh, uh, significant. And, of course, the, the, a Yarra City councillor you know, recommended the memorial would be permanently removed due to the serious irreparable damage and because it has little or no significance to the park. Um, and I think the context of... The fact that there's such a large um, urban, you know, First Nations community within um, within Fitzroy, I think it's actually quite disrespectful in a lot of ways to to have a to have a Captain Cook statue be present. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's good on um, the Yarra City Council um, um, for for. Um, for having, for having, um, for bringing, um, for considering um, remo- the removal of the of the Captain Cook um, statue, and I think, yeah, I think it's just indicate, and it's just a, the strength of the First Nations movement and the mobilisations that it's being able to get as far as this. All right, um, let me um, interrupt you there because I mean, a one and a half hour program just isn't enough to deal with all the issues. But anyway, Jacob, you said so many things of interest, so I just want to. Uh, have a quick say as far as quickly as I can. Um, the Australia Day stuff reminds me very much of also Anzac. You know, they talk about whether we, we should be in, in Australia celebrating uh, the slaughter of millions of people. And, you know, what should we do about Anzac Day? Well, it's very simple. It's, it's the same thing that I say about Australia Day. Don't move the date. Just, just um, abolish them. Abolish them completely, right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, if we're going to have any kind of national holiday, we should have a thing called Protest Day because that's the most significant thing happening. The Captain Cook Memorial, yes, I, I know it very well because I, I had a partner in St Kilda and it, you know, I, I must go down there and have a look at it and, and spit on it or something because that's just so fantastic that uh, people did that. So that's one good thing. Jacinta Allen. I love the way that the boots are just sitting on the platform. Yeah, it, yeah. It looks like a kind of hoverboard. Well, you know, to step into those boots is, you know, is a big ask, isn't it? Maybe um, they should put it back up so they can get cut down every year. You know no. what they could do? They could get a statue of Michael J. Fox out of Back to the Future <laughs> and put him out there on a hoverboard. <laughs> oh, one more thing anyway. Yeah, Jacinta Allen... Um, excuse me, I'm just eating my croissant. Mung on, you can, hear, you can hear it um, in the way I'm speaking. Jacinta Allen, Labour Premier of Victoria, has rushed to, as Jacob said, um, to put up the funds, which is, after all, our taxpayer funds, to restore this bloody atrocity, this, this, this abomination. And, uh, well, it doesn't matter, because... The moment I, I hear about it or see it um, in the newspapers or whatever, I'll be down there and I'll be smearing it with something or other. And there are no, not going to be any security. Well, it might be security cameras, but I'll, I'll take the risk. All right. So um, just to welcome um, both Chloe and Zane um, are now into the studio now. So morning, yeah. listeners. Morning, Jacob. So Rob. it's actually quite good to have um, up to four presenters today. So because I think we only got two interviews. And, sort and of a booked. dog, Chewy, as well. Five <laughs> presenters. Ah, yeah. Yeah, we're we're um, politically advocating for fashionable lateness. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah. Um. 
So just for our listeners who are just coming in, um, listening, we've just, we've just been having quite a, um, a bit of a headline news discussion about just going on about the, some of the, um, the last, um, the, the invasion day protests in Friday. And just actually just another thing I want to give, um, a bit of a plug for is, um, in the King's Domain, um, mm. right near, which I think is right, right, located near, near Federation Square, just on the, um, across the Yarravua, mm. um, Robbie Forp, um, who or a lot of our listeners would know, um, who's actually a fellow Free CR presenter, has actually, um, started a bit of an occupation with other First Nations activists, um, basically demanding that uh, you know, the land be given back to the First Nations seahole. Mm. Um, they've, um, they've actually, they actually held, um, they held a camp, um, camp sovereignty, like a bit of a First Nations sort of gathering and, um, yeah, a bit of a kind of First Nations gathering over the, over the weekend, I think after following Invasion Day. And, um, they've essentially started occupying it. And what is quite, um, striking is, um, a lot of the right wing media have sort of gone really hysterical about it. Um, in fact, probably a bit, um, probably a bit problematic is, um, I probably noticed that the only, the only sort of news media um, outlets that have reported on the fact that there's this camp ongoing occupation sort of happening is uh, is, is the likes of Channel 7 and other sort of Murdoch <laughs> uh, press, including the Daily Mail. So there hasn't, like, there's How no... they covered it, though? They're, they're prob- what oh, they well, they're well, obviously in a negative yeah, sort of way. Yeah. But, yeah, there hasn't been any reports in, like, ABC or any sort of more respectable kind of publication that's at least more... Uh, at least a bit more honest about the facts of the of the matter. So yeah, um, I like uh, I'll go play a quick few announcements. Um, we've got a we've got probably our first interview with Peter Boyle on why Labor's stage three tax cuts still give the biggest tax cuts to the rich. Um, but you're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR eight five five AM. No more whispering in our gonna rise up to break these chains and stop these killing games. Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne invites you to join us on Saturday the 17th of February at midday at the State Library, Swanson Street, Melbourne, to mark the 20th anniversary of the death in custody of Redfern teenager TJ Hickey. Honour the memory of TJ and the many deaths in custody families that now number more than 555 since the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. No one to date has been held responsible for these deaths. We demand end the practice of police investigating police and immediate implementation of all 339 recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Come along Saturday 17th of February, midday, at the State Library. Ischia Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. What's taking place in Palestine is horrendous. The people of Gaza who have survived ethnic cleansing, three wars and a 16-year siege are now facing the biggest attacks ever mounted against them. This will only stop if governments like ours demand that it stop. Here are some ways that you can keep yourself informed and involved. Listen in to Palestine Remembered every Saturday morning at 9.30am or listen to the podcast. 
Join the APAN mailing list at apan.org.au for updates, news about actions you can get involved in and where you can donate to provide humanitarian assistance. Listen to other news and current affairs programs on 3CR that also cover Palestine. The oppression of the Palestinian people has been going on for 75 years. It has to stop. You can be part of making that happen by staying informed and active. APAN is a proud supporter of 3CR. We jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella. It doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What your name is, we got the hand. Lots of changes. We need more brothers. Okay, you're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR 855 AM. And we're joined today by Peter Boyle, um, a Green Left uh, um, activist journalist, um, regular writer for Green Left and also a member of Socialist Alliance. And um, we, 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 we have him on the program to have a bit of a discussion around, I guess, the, the, I guess what is now we can fra- um, phrase as labor, labor's stage free light tax cuts. Um, and in fact, there's, um, as we kind of m- mentioned in the sort of media, um, there's been a kind of lot of, there's been a lot of overhype about the, about these new labor free, uh, labor stage free light tax cuts. Um, and in fact, people are sort of going on about how I think some, sections of the media and also some Labor Party people have sort of started going on about how this is, uh, this represents like a very major sort of reform and it's actually, dem- it's example of why the Labor Party actually really cares for working people. So, yeah, good morning, Peter. Good morning. Yeah. Well, it is, a, it is a bit of a joke. I mean, though it's a very familiar um, script for a Labor Party uh, trick on the workers, you know, when after the big struggle by, by trade unions against uh, John Howard's work choices, Labor came, got elected and came in and delivered work choices light. And now we're getting the same thing with this uh, really bad uh, tax policy, which they had taken on and were swearing blind, taken on from, from the coalition, and were swearing blind as recently as uh, uh, a week and a half ago that they were going to, to implement. It was a shocking thing that was going to deliver 77% of all its benefit to the richest 20%. This was the one that they, Labor was going to implement. It was actually, you know, but what they've come up with is definitely not as extremely bad as that. They're basically cutting the benefit that the richest 20% we're going to get under the original stage tree by half. But they're still getting the great bulk 
of the uh, of the benefit of this tax return. And um, it's it's unfortunate that some people are prepared to try and present this stage three light as some sort of huge progressive thing. I think some people it's because you know they were so desperately hoping that trying and begging for Labor to change its course that even a slight turn of course has made turned them into a cheer squad for Labor. And I think in this group, unfortunately, is uh, the progressive think tank Australia Institute. And they are now providing a kind of a lead, which of course the Labor controlled trade unions, I think, and, and others are following happily along, saying, Oh wow, Labor's turned around. But, you know, one of the things that they are uh, are so proud of, I'm talking about the Labour politicians, is that they figure out they have wedged the coalition over this question and they have produced two interesting statistics. One is that, this is the Labour Party, one is that uh, the coalition supporters are divided on this and even the coalition MPs are divided on Labour's version of stage three. But they came up with another statistic that 90% of the benefit of Labour stage three are going to go to people living in coalition electorate. Now that should give the game away for people who are cheering on Labour's stage three light as something progressive. And of course, because you can't have it Always, they're so caught up in this thing about wedging and all that. They're not thinking about what they're saying to people. Now, one very interesting uh, piece of information that has come out, thanks to the to the Greens, who asked the parliamentary budget office to do an analysis of Labor's uh, tax proposed tax cut, came up with one. What it's going to cost? It's going to cost. $320 billion over the next 10 years. Now, we are talking here really big numbers. And, you know, when you when you take $320 billion out of the budget over the next 10 years, that represents, in the end, services that are going to have to be cut in future budgets. And, you know, people are going to um, be worse off. I mean, ordinary people who depend on social services are going to be worse off. Maybe some government jobs are going to go out of this. So first point, $320 billion hit to the federal budget comes with a social cost. The second point that the parliamentary budget estimates came up with was despite Labor's being not as bad uh, as what the Liberals were going to bring in with their stage street, nearly half of all the benefits over the next 10 years are going to the top 20% of taxpayers. And 74% are going to the top 40%. Meanwhile, the lowest 20% get less than 1% of the benefit. The lowest 60% get just 26%. Now, if you look at that picture, and, and I think you know we've got to put this as a pie chart, because this gives the game away. Who is getting the money here under Labor's stage tree light? So I think this is very... We've got to get the story across because Labor's going to town with this now. Um, they think they've got the winner, the winning thing for the, for the next election because... Why? Because they're, they're able to, to split 
the coalition. They're doing this because they're still delivering tax cuts to the rich. Hmm. And I think that gets into the next kind of important question. It's, I guess, you know, how do we respond to Labor spin in a sense of, you know, how this is kind of really impacting on ordinary kind of working people in a sense that actually, in a sense, most working people are actually getting no benefit from from the um, from their yeah, mild yeah, kind yeah. of reform, and also I just yeah, want to well, add one thing, Peter. Is um, yeah. there's a bit of a, a very funny spin. Um, I just uh, I'll just see um, show, um, read out this very amusing meme that I saw from a local MP, um, Jed Carney, who's like considered one of the the left, um, and uh, she basically produced this kind of meme, which is Labor's new tax cuts are better for women, bigger for women, and fair for women. In fact, that goes back into the politicians talk and freeze um, um, kind of comment. And basically trying to make this argument that in very vague terms that this is be- this is of some benefit to 90% of women with- without any sort of real statistics to back it up. So, yeah, I want to kind of hear your kind of response well, to think, those I two elements. We, we need to explain it in, in clear language, you know. So in money terms... Uh, basically, you know, most workers, people who are working, uh, who, are, who have a job, are going to get, you know, at most $15 a week. Those on the lower end of the spectrum, those, you know, on, 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 the, on the minimum wage, are going to get less. So what, we're talking three cups of coffee. That is hardly going to make a dent in the rising cost of living. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing which is very interesting, because... Uh, the treasurer, Miles, has been, you know, going along with the story. Oh, you know, this is not the only thing that's happening. You know, we've been doing all these good stuff, and as a result, real wages—that is, wages adjusted for inflation—have been going up over the last two quarters of 2023. Now, that's that's the the technical, that's the headline story that comes up uh, in in the Australian Bureau of Statistics for last year. But it's a lie, because there is a hidden, another measurement uh, in, in, in that the ABS does called living costs, which just gives you a more real picture. And the reason why this is the case is that in the 1990s, the cost of the, the official measurement of inflation, CPI, uh, was adjusted to remove mortgage repayments. Now, everybody knows what the people who are bearing the biggest brunt of struggling to pay mortgages on houses they think they are going to be theirs are in the working class. And the proportion, because of interest rate rises, the proportion they have, the paybacks, they pay them, the, uh, their uh, mortgage repayments have been shooting up. So in this other hidden statistic, which came out in November last year, called cost of living statistic, it found that if you break up into different groups, working uh, families headed, households headed by workers, actually suffered a 9.7% rise in their real cost of living, compared to 5.4, which is the official CPI measurement. So, in actual fact, uh, real wages, when you, when you use the real measurement for increases in cost of living, are continuing. To fall. So think about that and you think they give you $15 and you're supposed to be cheering. But the problem is even worse because when we're talking about these, uh, the benefits of this tax reform, and I divided up 
into you know percentages, the lowest twenty percent, the highest twenty percent. We are talking here only about people who are in uh, have a taxable income, but actually lots of people, including people who are fully dependent on pensions and other welfare payments, are below that. People who are earning um, you know uh, below twenty thousand dollars a year are people like that surviving somehow under $20,000 a year, they don't get a cent out of this. Now, actually, according to Ben Phillips, uh, who is an ANU researcher, 86% of households in the lowest 20% of income, and I'm not talking about the lowest 20% of tax base, of all houses will not get a single cent out of either stage three, the original stage three, or uh, stage three light under labour. So yes, in reality, they're going to be all these people who are struggling to put food on the table, to pay the rent. Rents are still going up at, a, at an alarming rate. They're going to get nothing, but they're still going to give people on more than $200,000 a year a tax cut of $4,500. Why do they need it? You know, if anything... The real argument that we should be putting forward is that the rich need to be taxed more. Mm. So we need a tax refund, not that gives us like, you know, um, uh, uh, um, half the, the, the ridiculous uh, tax cut that the, the original statutory was in gives to the rich. We need to find ways to tax the rich more so that we don't have to have this 83% of people in the lowest 20% of houses, you know, uh, in, in this ridiculous situation. Um, Peter, could I just jump in? It's uh, Zane here. How are you going? How are you going? Um, if you could just riff a bit on what uh, actual progressive tax reform might look like. So a couple of points. The company tax rate now is about 30%. As recently as 1985, that company tax rate was at 45%. Um Rising Tide, coming out of the blockade last year, they came up with this idea for a 75% tax on fossil fuel profits to fund a transition uh, away from fossil fuel exports. Um, the top individual tax rate, as recent as the, 19, as the mid-60s, was at 75%. It's now at 45%. Um, and then there's also the question of bracket creep and indexation. No government has ever legislated to index the tax rates so that they keep up with inflation. Uh, and the, the other thing is, why is that the minimum wage is, I don't know, 40 something thousand dollars, but you start getting taxed as soon as you earn over $19,600? Why? Doesn't that mean that effectively the real minimum wage is actually lower than the very pezzy award? Why are we taxing people on minimum wage? Why, why is just, 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 just on that point, that, that, that would be that's one of the that's one of the demands that uh, uh, the anti-poverty centre has put forward. Raise the uh, the uh, um, threshold at which taxes come in. And and uh, I, I spoke I, I, I spoke to Christine to Christine O'Connell from Anti Poverty Center when I was researching uh, this question. She said it was even worse than what you were saying. Uh, it cuts in below the Henderson poverty line. 
<laughs> not, not, not only below the minimum wage, like you said, that that alone would be ridiculous, you know, because it, it cuts the minimum wage down a lot. You have to start paying taxes, you know, even before you get above the poverty line. How ridiculous is that? So it, it, it does need to be raised, and it's one of those demands. But that would be part of a... Uh, you know, if you're thinking of what would be a progressive taxation reform, one big part of it would be to make it make it uh, more progressive. That is, and, and the principle of progressive taxation, which is a good one, is that the higher your income goes, the bigger percentage effective tax of, of effective tax you pay should be. And the whole point of tax reform, whether it's sort of you know, under a Labour or a Liberal government in the last period, part of neoliberalism is to flatten the thing, to make it more regressive. And that's what, that was the, that was the real guts of stage three. It was actually to, it had actually removed, uh, you know, they, they wanted to lower the rate of taxation for, for the high income. Now, as you said, all around the world, we have had uh, examples of really steep, and I'm talking about the capitalist countries, in some jurisdictions in the U.S., and Thomas Piketty gives examples of this, earlier in the last century, the top marginal tax rate, and I'm talking the United States, was as high as 90%. Because really, when you think of it, the logic of it was that once you get to a certain level, you know, 200 or $500,000 uh, a year, why do you have to keep getting more and more? Because you know, unless you accept you accept the logic that we are now living through, where the rich are getting richer all the time. And, you know, recently, actually, I should say, one of the loud voices or voices that, that, that we could have more on our side and we need to amplify is Oxfam. And personally, I think the reason why Labor decided to do this turnaround or push Labor to move on uh, ameliorating State Street tax is there was this... On, on January 15th, there was this shocking interview, uh, well, shockingly performed interview by Anthony Albanese, our Prime Minister, on Radio National. Because the, the interviewer cited uh, Oxfam leader chief saying tax, stage three tax cuts was lunacy. You know, in, in an age where the billionaire class has enriched themselves massively, you know, why are we having... Uh, tax, uh, uh, tax reforms that actually supercharge this process of, of inequality. So they're, they're on our side, and, and actually, to their credit, even after Labor brought in its amendments to State Street, uh, they, um, Oxfam has come out and said, no, this is not good enough. This is all the wrong direction. Now, in addition to making the uh, income tax system more steeply progressive, which is, I think, well, Social Alliance certainly calls for including raising the top marginal tax rate to 70%. We haven't quite gone to 90%, but as I said, that's been done before in the United States. Raise the company tax back up to 49%. That, that's what Social Alliance calls for. In addition to that, we're calling for a wealth tax, a scrapping for the goods and services tax, which, you know, is, 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 is a totally regressive tax. It hits the poorest more than it hits the richest. 
And um, in addition to that, we should have a, um, a super profits tax. Now, see, this is the elephant in the room. You know, we, every time it comes to reserve banks siding on the rates of, of, of interest, etc., you know, the story comes up, you know, oh, well, we have to do this because we're fighting inflation. But everybody has experienced this, and it's forced the government to have an inquiry into this. Big companies like the energy companies, the mining companies, and the uh, and, and, and the uh, um, supermarket companies have been making super profits by, by exploiting people's expo- uh, expectations that prices are paying up by whacking on higher and higher margins. They've made huge amounts of money for this, and they need to be taxed on that sort of super profit. So this is a... That's a range of things uh, that... that Measures that could be done, you know, if 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 we had a Labour government or if we had a government that had the will and the guts uh, to actually do something for the ordinary people. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that, Peter. Um, we're we're running um out of um, a bit out of time now because we've got another interview lined up. But I guess do you have any kind of final comments that you might would like to make. I think we sh- we should we should have the courage to stand up against uh, what's a bit of a a tsunami of, uh, you know, cheer squatting for Labor right now and tell people the truth. Simple as that. Tell people the truth. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much, um, Peter. Um, so just for our listeners who are just listening in, um, we were just, we're just talking to Peter Boyle, Green Left journalist, about, you know, why Labor's stage three light tax cuts, you know, do not live up to any, any of the hype that uh, the Labor Party is propping it up as and why it's very much still just a ma- uh, big handout to the, um, the um, um, high-income sections of the population. Um, but, yes, yeah, thank you very much, Peter, for being on our program. Cheers, Peter. Thank you. All right. Um, well, I'll just go play a quick few announcements. Um, you are listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM. It's like we're going through life with one eye shut and one eye open, and we're only getting half the picture. And then somebody like me comes in and says, let's make sure we see the full picture. Finding the Money, an exciting new documentary, takes us inside the debate between economists who say we can afford to deal with inequality and the climate crisis, and the economists who say we can't afford it. An unconventional economic theory is gaining some traction. Modern Monetary Theory, MMT. And one of its leading proponents is Professor Stephanie Kelton. Finding the Money, coming to Melbourne for limited screenings in March 2024. Finding the Money, on tour with renowned economist Stephanie Kelton and independent filmmaker Maren Poitras. Tickets on sale now via modernmoneylab.org.au. The true story of money is not the story that I've been told. Finding the Money, a pivotal documentary for our time, a 3CR supporter. Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, 
diversity and inclusion, and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. Green Left Weekly Radio. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests and that's Green Left Weekly. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. Tune in every Friday morning at 8am on 3CR. Tickets are now on sale for the 2024 Marxism Conference happening over the Easter weekend. The Marxism Conference is one of the biggest gatherings of revolutionaries, radicals and activists from around Australia and across the world. Three days of discussions, interviews and debates on key questions and themes for socialists, covering radical working class history, Marxist fundamentals, left debates and global struggles happening today. With our world entering a new era of accelerated climate crisis, economic chaos and rising imperialist tensions, it's now more important than ever for socialists and anti-capitalists to get together to discuss and debate ideas for a world in crisis. Lock in your spot to Australia's biggest socialist conference and grab your tickets now at marxismconference.org. A 3CR supporter. And um, we're very happy to be joined today by Sue Bolton, um, Marybeth Councillor and Member of Socialist Alliance. And we thought we would have her up on our program today to actually have a bit of discussion about some of the latest developments in uh, the Palestine Solidarity Movement. Um, or, and especially focusing on some of the Albanese government's uh, recent sort of um, actions. So, good morning, Sue. Hi, how's it going? So, Sue, I guess I want to kind of start off um, with uh, with a bit of a question about a bit a bit about some of your thoughts. Um, I guess I want to kind of hear some of your comments about the significance of uh, the International Court of Justice um, ruling, which basically declared that you know while it didn't necessarily call for a ceasefire, it essentially basically made of a ruling that that uh, Israel is plausibly committing genocide and it must take particular actions to basically prevent it from committing genocide, including basically stopping everything that it's doing kind of right now. And I guess I want to kind of hear some of your comments about, you know, some, what about the significance of this in the context of the Palestine Solidarity Movement? Well, I think while it was really upsetting and uh, many people are angry about the fact that the ICJ didn't call for an immediate ceasefire. Um, it actually is significant. I mean, by itself, it's not going to you know, stop the war. We need the People's Power Movement to ramp, keep ramping up the pressure on all of these countries, including in Australia, to force them to stop arming Israel uh, because 
you know, if these countries stopped arming Israel, the genocide would stop uh, because Israel's genocide is being conducted with US weapons, Australian parts for weapons, funding from the United States, etc., uh, and from UK and Germany and other case, other countries. But I think the there is it is still positive that the ICJ made the decision they did, even though it would be much much better if they called for immediate ceasefire. Because I think this is the first time, really, that an international body has made very strong criticisms of what Israel's doing to the Palestinians, and they are saying that it, there is a plausible case that Israel is committing genocide in Gaza, and this is something which all of these Western governments refuse to acknowledge. Um, and, and in reality, these Western governments, they know a genocide is happening, um, but they support Israel, and so their deniers telling their populations that there's no genocide. They know a genocide is happening. But this is a public accusation of genocide by the International uh, Court of Justice. Um, but you can also... but So it has put pressure on all of these Western governments because it does blow apart their rationale for why they're backing Israel's genocide. And it is interesting that all of these governments, mainly the Western colonial or colonial settler state, you know, governments, US, Canada, Australia, and then Britain, and uh, were the first out of the blocks to, um, you know, get out and condemn condemn the decision of the International Criminal Court of Justice. So I, I think the very fact that, I mean, this... So this uh, interim decision of the International Criminal Court... Oh, sorry, of the Court of Justice, that it does expose... It exposes the lies that the US and Australian and other governments are telling their people about what Israel's doing. So in that sense, I think it is really important um, that they didn't just cave in to all the Israeli uh, propaganda and and so forth. Um, but it was very interesting what happened with the world's media about this case because none of the Western media, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure this is exactly the case. None of the Western media uh, live-streamed the South African case that was presented to the ICJ, but all or most of them live-streamed Israel's case to the ICJ. Like, it, yeah, it's it's all so... I mean, genocide is political um, as to who recognises what's going on and what's not. And some countries have an economic interest to back Israel and not recognise genocide. And that gets and um, that that gets into kind of the next kind of important um, question, which is um, um, one of the other most um, one of the um, the important kind of developments that's happened in the Palestine Solidarity Movement. But I want to kind of hear your comments on 
the um, on the government's kind of uh, on the Western government's decision, in particular the Albanese government's decision um, to suspend funds to the United Nations Relief and Work Agency for Palestine refugees in the Near East, and of course. Just to give a bit of background to this, to these Western governments, there's there's been these allegations, um, which have come from Israel, conveniently, um, that uh, at least uh, at least ten um, ten uh, UN WRA workers were potentially may have been involved in the October 7 attacks. And, of course, the Western government's um, response has been to basically cut or suspend funding uh, to that agency. And I guess I kind of want to hear, um, Sue, that your your kind of comments and why, why we must uh, oppose this decision. This is absolutely outrageous, the cutting of funding to UNRWA. And it's sort of like um, it's... It's the reverse of what we're used to seeing of innocent before proven guilty. This is guilty until proven innocent and on the base of of no actual evidence. So Australia and these other governments chop the funding before there's been an investigation. Um, The original allegation about some staff having been part of the Hamas attack on Israel was confession extracted under torture. They, you know, UNRWA is doing an investigation. Um, they felt, clearly felt they had to sack the staff immediately before there's been any investigation because they're desperate for the funds. Um, and this is like finding, I don't know, three people in the health department in Victoria who there's some allegation that they've committed some crime and you chop all of the funding from the health department or the whole government of Victoria and you're saying to Tasmania, oh, maybe you can come in and provide the services. It's just like, it's outrageous, absolutely outrageous and there's no other entity that's capable of providing what UNRWA provides. And UNRWA is a very special agency. I mean, it is the only agency of its kind because it employs mostly local workers in the countries uh, in the countries it works in, Um, whereas most other aid agencies employ mostly people from outside the country um, and has very and employ very few locals. Um, they provide such a wide range of services. I heard that horrible right-wing piece of work, James Patterson, one of the really far-right coalition politicians from the federal parliament, you know, going on about, you know, how outrageous it is about UNRWA and how, um, and how well, you know, oh, the government could just give the money to the Red Cross and Red Crosses. Red Cross and Red Crescent are a totally different service. Their health, their health service, and UNRWA provides a wide range of services. Like because, you know, the government of Gaza isn't able. It's, you know, it's a government which was only ever able to provide a very small number of things because Israel, because it's not a genuine government in the sense that Israel controls most stuff that happens in Gaza and the West Bank. So 
it's um this is really just you know people already starving to death i i believe people would already be starving to death in gaza um the un's defined it as being you know almost at the famine point and i know they've got particular definitions of different points but there's widespread malnutrition in in gaza and how could there not be when people are hunting for little tiny scraps of food here and there. I just heard the other day of someone who found birdseed, who was grinding up birdseed to try and um, make some bread. Um, it's like, yeah, it's it, this is, you know, absolutely, you know, there aren't enough catastrophic words to describe what's going on. And the Australian government and the US and Canada and the UK and Germany decide to twist the knife in even further into the Gazan people by saying you can starve more quickly. Hmm. Um, that's really what they're doing. I, I want to so jump in. I want to jump in on that actually as well because you mentioned kind of James Patterson's comments. Um, I actually think, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's quite disgraceful when you actually, when you read the Albanese government's actual statement about this, um, decision, especially the comments of Penny Wong, you kind of almost wish that, um, they had the same level of honesty as, say, someone like James Patterson from the Liberal Party, because what Penny Wong has actually said about this decision is almost like some kind of awful form of double speak. She's basically, she's basically commented that Oh yeah, this is a temporary pause, um, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna promise to engage closely with UNRWA, and then at the same time, in the same comment, she tried to she praised UNRWA in probably the same way that you just sort of did um, just now as doing vital life life saving work. Like, you know, how can how can people kind of accept this these this kind of double speak from um, politicians in the Albanese government? And I guess I kind of want to hear, yeah, your Com- your your comments on on these kind of weasel words that we're constantly hearing from um, from our from the Albanese government when it, when it comes to this ongoing genocide. Well, I think this is the case with lots of Labor MPs, especially the more progressive ones or the ones that um, got elected on the back of the Muslim and Arabic vote. Um, and there's a big debate inside Labor Party branches with members especially members who either come from the Middle East or um, or just people who are horrified by what we're seeing. Um, so that, you know, as of December, December or November last year, over 40 Labor Party branches in New South Wales had called for a, uh, emerg- an emergency ceasefire. And I think they meant permanent ceasefire, they didn't mean these little tiny temporary pauses that do nothing. Um, so there is a debate that's happening within the Labor Party, and so the Labor Party is trying to cover itself in all different directions. You know, their fundamental position is support for Israel, and that's not just because of the Zionist lobby, it's because of U.S. economic interests and the U.S. military alliance that Australia is part of and Australia is part of not just following along, you know, tamely behind the U.S., but, you know, Australia is fully in there. So Australia is fully complicit. And 
I yeah, I I think it is just yeah, it is very outrageous if Penny Wong actually believed what she said about UNRWA being, you know, uh, a vital service. They would not be cutting this funding. They're doing this deliberately. And what makes it worse is that it, the ICJ has said that there's a plausible case for genocide. That means every single country that is arming Israel, which includes Australia, and there's a protest today about weapons manufacturers in Australia making parts for these horrific jet fighters that drop these horrific 2,000-pound bombs in Gaza. Um, you know... Australia is complicit in a genocide, in what the ICJ has said is a plausible case for genocide, and I believe it is a genocide. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Penny Wong's comments are because of this huge internal debate in the Labour Party, and so they're trying to, you know, look kind. Well, I don't think there's no way you can dress this decision up as being kind while also being cruel. And, you know, Jed Carney is a particular, you know, case. Um, she's a member for, Labor member for Cooper. And, you know, I, she's actually visited Gaza, I think, um, and the West Bank on a study tour years ago when she was a trade union leader. And I suspect... In a heart of heart, she is opposed to what the government's doing um, in terms of Israel, what the Australian government's doing. But she is also focused on her career. And so she's putting out lots of videos, especially since we organised the protest outside her office. Um, she's putting out lots of vid videos of sympathy and talking about how what a great service UNRWA is and all sorts of sympathetic videos. But she will not call for a ceasefire or a lifting of the siege. And if anyone claims to be a friend of the Palestinians without calling for those those two things as a very elemental beginning of trying to stop the genocide, then it, her words aren't worth a piece of shit, basically. Um, she's... She, the all the sympathy in the world, or sympathetic words mean zero while this while the bombing is going while the you know people are being deliberately starved to death and this bombing is you know i don't believe this is just indiscriminate bombing they have deliberately destroyed the hospitals they have deliberately targeted journalists they are there are more and more stories coming out of gaza of people being mown down who are trying to walk from place to place holding a white flag, civilians. Um, so, you know, people with white flags are being deliberately targeted as and the summary execution of men being stripped naked and, you know, and kneeling blindfolded. This is like Guantanamo Bay or Abu Ghraib or, you know, this is... Yeah, absolutely, you know, the horrific element of humanity. But luckily there is a huge worldwide movement of the ordinary people to say this is horrific. Uh, sorry, for listeners just tuning in, we are interviewing Sue Bolton, who's a Maribeth counsellor, 
Um, and we're just talking about the recent ICJ court ruling and um, also the cutting of UNRWA by the Albanese government. And yet this is a shameful decision by the government to cut um, this lifeline for 2.3 million Palestinians in Gaza who are, wa- who are facing starvation and illness, um, water and, and fuel shortages, um, at, while the Australian government approves hundreds of military sales to Israel. But, but Sue, just um, to conclude this interview, you know, Labor does claim to have this clear and consistent position since October 7th. Um, they've urged all parties to, to the conflict. Um, well, it's not a conflict, but, you know, conflict in inverted commas to respect humanitarian law, international humani- humanitarian law, and calling for civilians to be protected and hostages released. I mean, this consistency is not true. Um, but I guess, would you be able to tell listeners in light of these recent developments, what should activists, or what can we do with our outrage? Um, I mean, how important are our protests, not just in solidarity with Palestinians, um, but working with those who actually expose labor um, and and pressure the government to condemn Israel's genocide and and some of our demands? Well, I think our efforts need to double and redouble and to really force the labor government to drop its position, you know, this this movement, the Palestine Solidarity Movement, has to go into all sorts of corners of society. In you know, we have to keep broadening out. We have to, you know, organise actions in more cities, more towns, more suburbs, um, and you know, every element of this movement. Counts, and I think people have been doing this just off their own bat, which is fantastic. Um, and it's really because this worldwide movement exists because of the extremeness of what Israel's doing. Israel has created this worldwide movement by being so extreme in what it's doing to the Palestinians and what it's doing to people in Gaza. Like that's taken all the attention because that are trying to deliberately kill an entire population. But also what it's doing in West Bank is also horrific as well. Um, So we've got to keep increasing this movement and involving more people. And, you know, we know we've got examples of movements winning against these powerful odds in the past. And the ending of the Vietnam War is one example. I was too young to be involved in that movement. But it was, you know, the combination of the brave and courageous resistance of the Vietnamese people plus the international anti-war movement, including the anti-war movement in the United States that defeated, that caused the defeat of the biggest and biggest military in the world and richest country in the world, the United States, and forced the US, Australia and New Zealand to withdraw their troops. And the reason why the US, because the US was considering using nuclear weapons in Vietnam, and it was really only this worldwide people's movement and the movement inside the United States that stopped the US. And the real reason is because the movement was so big that the U.S. started to become worried that there was going to be a revolution in the United States if they kept going. And so we've so it does take an immense 
people's movement to force rich and powerful capitalist countries to pull their heads in and stop destroying the lives of people. And so, you know, we are building such a movement. There are, you know, really people, all sorts of people are doing, are just so shocked by what is happening. They're just never taken political action in their lives before, but just starting to do something. And there are also arguments happening within different professional bodies, different civil society organisations, etc. We and different unions as well, trade unions. And there are a couple of bodies that have been remarkably silent during this genocide. And one is the churches and another mm-hmm. is the unions. And in the past, when Israel has been bombing Gaza, the unions have been much more outspoken and the churches have been more outspoken. And I find that strange that now things are much more intense with a full-on genocide, not a short three weeks of bombing, or that's not really short for people suffering it, but compared to what we're experiencing now, it's short. Um, But I suspect in the union's case, it's because their party's in power. Um, and we've, we, in the past, unions have been the forefront of anti-war movements. We do need to push our unions, and but all organisations were involved in to take positions and also put pressure on more councils all over the country to take positions in support of Palestine, calling for ceasefire and ending of the siege. It's, um, and we've got to envisage that when the bombing stops, and when the siege is lifted uh, and the military operation is ended, we've... Well, thank you very much, Sue. We'll go conclude that interview interview there. You're just you're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR 855 AM. Thanks, thanks well, everybody. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. 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 Well, check out the happy vibe. They're gonna ring up and subscribe. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. What? Who the hell is that? Clap your hands. What are you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. This is handmade radio. Clap your hands. Get out. Get the hell out of here now. Alrighty, welcome back. You are listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR, Melbourne's most epic and rad radio station. And we have got a song for you from Matt Ward's uh, monthly album wrap-up that he does for Green Left. Uh, this is some French feminist punk for you. And this is a band called Radical Kitten. And this song is the title track off their new album. It's called Upper Cat. Uh, sorry, listeners, don't worry, I'll, I'll, we'll get it um, soon. Just let me quickly play something very short. Solidarity Breakfast, your Saturday morning serving of union and working news. 
current events, opinion and talk back. Every Saturday, 7.30 till 9am, here on 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. All right, apologies, listeners. Um, you're going to be listening to Uppercat by Radical Kidin. Yes, that was the title track off the new album by Radical Kitten, and it's called Upper Cat. Thanks, Zane, and we hope listeners have enjoyed the show so far this morning, and it's really good to be back in the studio. We've only got about 15 minutes left, so we are going to do the activist calendar. So starting from today, Friday, February the 2nd, we've got a rally coming up soon at 10 a.m., so the weapons manufacturing, it's at the weapons manufacturing facility in Hume. 
called Shut It Down, Rally for Palestine. It's going to be at 43A Lara Way in Campbellfield. Tomorrow, Saturday, February the 3rd, there's going to be a forum in conversation with Yusuf Al-Rimari at 3pm at the New International Bookshop at Trades Hall, 54 Victoria Street, Carlton South. Sunday, February 4th, there's going to be the usual mass rally, ceasefire now, lift the siege of Gaza, stop the genocide, 12 noon as always at State Library, Swanson Street in the city. And also on Sunday, February 4th, there's going to be the Midsummer Pride March in Fitzroy Street in St Kilda. Wednesday, February 7th, um, there's going to be the convoy to Canberra starting at 10 a.m. Now, this has changed, I think, from the 6th, so people note down that that change, um, unless it's changed back, but uh, from what I've heard, it's actually changed to... Is that right? It's changed to February the 7th? Yeah, right. yeah, that's, that's okay, correct. Okay, yep. good, because I don't think we've reflected that in Green Left. Apologies um, for people who have, um, we have we have to change it on the website, but it's going to be on... On the 7th, uh, organisations from Melbourne, Sydney and other cities across Australia will be coming to he- to the first hearing of 2024 um, to make their voices loud and clear and demand the liberation of Palestinian people. Mm. Saturday, oh, you want to say something, Jacob? Uh, I, I wanted to just sort of um, let people know the reason why it got changed from the 6th is, mm. unfortunately, it seems to me that there's going to be a bunch of cookers oh. coming um, protesting on Parliament on the 6th of uh, February. So that is why... It's an anti-renewables rally. Yeah. Because oh, we've got to save the whales from offshore wind farms. <laughs> I'm actually helping hunter workers. Um, yeah. There's, there's pro-renewables rallies, pro-offshore wind rallies Great. happening on Sunday in Newcastle and Wollongong. Um, and then there's this anti-renewables rally by the cookers and a grab bag of every right-wing idiot in the country on uh, Feb 6 in Canberra. Yeah, we've been... um, Just a funny comment I just want to add about that. We've been receiving... um, Green Left has been receiving lots of interesting hate mail for... Because if you look at our website, we're advertising the community rally for Hunter Offshore Wind. Um, Yeah, I kind of just find it bizarre, like the amount... how. Like, there's really terrible things going on in the world with Palestine. Uh, people are going for a cost-of-living crisis. Um, there's also a housing crisis. Mm. And, of course, this issue of offshore wind, it's its what gets the reaction out of people to write an email. <laughs> Look, quite frankly, I mean, if we're getting hate mail, we must be doing something right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll um, yeah, accept it as a, an honour to receive hate mail from those kinds of people. Um, they don't represent the majority, hopefully. Um, Saturday, February 10th, fly kite for Gaza from 4 to 8pm at the Malahung Reserve on Oriel Road in Heidelberg West. Saturday, February 10th, Free Palestine Geelong Healthcare Workers Rally in Geelong at 12pm at Mallop Street Mall in Geelong. Sunday, February the 11th, there's a Nungura Kurulu um, album premiere from 10am to 11am um, at the Gandal Digital Future Lab 1 ACMI at Federa- Federation Square Flinders Street. Melbourne, that that was, um, I think Zane wanted to promote that one. Yeah, yeah, so you should really go and check that out. Um, so Monkey Mark is from the group Combat Wombat. 
uh, he <laughs> he writes their beats. He does a lot of really cool dub music. He does a lot of solo music as well. And he's been doing this collab over the last 13 years with uh, First Nations people to uh, create music and document um, description of living on country in a contemporary way um, and also getting really beautiful footage. So this is music mm-hmm. and imagery from um, the middle of Australia and really like profound cultural insights. So really go check that out at Acme kicking off next Sunday. It's, it sounds incredible. Yeah, it does sound, does sound great. Um, and on, lastly, Wednesday, February the 14th, there's going to be a Palestine rally in Dananong. Show love for Palestine in front of the Dananong Library at 6.30 p.m. And the Green Left, if you want to know more about these events, you can check out um, the website greenleft.org.au slash uh, events um, or the Green Left Activist Calendar is published every second Wednesday by Melbourne supporters of Green Left as a service to the left and progressive movement. Um, so if you wanted to subscribe to that, just let us know at melbourne at greenleft.org.au. All right. Um, so I thought um, um, I'll just thought I'll just go. Um, we'll just go play a quick few announcements. You're listening to Green Left Radio on Free CR 855 AM. No more whispering in our arms Gonna rise up, break these chains And stop these killing games Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne invites you to join us on Saturday the 17th of February at midday at the State Library, Swanson Street, Melbourne to mark the 20th anniversary of the death in custody of Redfern teenager TJ Hickey. Honour the memory of TJ and the many deaths in custody families that now number more than 555 since the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. No one to date has been held responsible for these deaths. We demand end the practice of police investigating police and immediate implementation of all 339 recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Come along Saturday 17th of February, midday, at the State Library. Eastern Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. If you're feeling the heat this summer, you're not alone. Our wildlife becomes stressed and unwell more quickly in hot weather. Please keep an eye out for native animals this summer, especially during a heat wave. If you have a backyard, balcony or courtyard, provide water and shade. Call Wildlife Victoria on 8400-7300 if you see wildlife in distress or for more information. To donate or volunteer, go to wildlifevictoria.org.au. Wildlife Victoria is a 3CR supporter. All right, you're listening to Green Left Radio on FreeCR 855 AM, and we we're just um, we just gave the kind of activist calendar, um, highlighting all the kind of upcoming uh, left wing activist events that are happening in in Melbourne, and also and also um, um, Victoria. And um, I thought we'll we'll play we'll we'll do another song for the program. And um, Rob, our presenter, actually has another song that he wanted to introduce. So I'll I get I'll pass it on to Rob to introduce it. 
Well, dear listeners, I mean, look, politics is uh, the most important thing for us, and uh, being on the ground and protesting and all of that um, is the most important thing for us, and striking up uh, um, connections with uh, people who are protesting every weekend all around the world is most important. But we do need a bit of entertainment, and I can uh, offer you some political entertainment. Uh, this is the uh, radical... Far-left uh, rap group Public Enemy from around about 20 years ago, and I think it's still very, very relevant today. The name of the track uh, oh, just tells you everything you need to know. Um, what kind of power we got? Soul Power. That's what the track is called, and you're just going to hear it right now on 3CR Community Radio 855 on the dial and on Green Left Radio, which is uh, connected to the greatest newspaper in Australia, at Green Left. Okay, take it away. I ain't behind it with my main man Harry, not chronic. Rather rap my black 
Um, you're just listening to Public Enemy, and um, we're actually getting into uh, a bit of the end, um, the end of our program now. And I guess I'd like to conclude the program by, you know, by saying that, you know, for um, if you um, support the work that Green Left and Free CR does, um, you know, as people-powered media projects that don't take any money from corporate kind of sponsors we actually rely on the generous um, um, financial support of listeners and and supporters like yourself ordinary people and if you yeah, if, if you if you if you want to keep um, if you want to keep green left um, going you can um, you can go you can become a supporter of green left for as low as five dollars a month or even donate um, to our fighting fund to help us continue the great work we are um, trying to do on reporting on workers climate and the social justice movement and you can go to greenleft.org.au forward slash support and also alternatively um, for free CR which has always been a supporter of Palestine and many campaigns for justice you can support free CR by becoming a subscriber or making a donation so go on to the free CR go to freecr.org.au forward slash subscribe or or the same, freecr.org.au forward slash donate. But yeah, like to thank all our listeners, um, all our guests um, that we had on our program, and um, stay tuned for what is coming, um, Left After Breakfast. This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio, brought to you by Green Left Weekly Newspaper, which brings an alternative source of information that puts people and planet before profit. If you like our work, become a supporter from $5 per month at greenleft.org.au slash support or free call 1-800-634-206. Arise, you workers from your slumbers. Arise, you prisoners of want. For reason in revolt now thunders and at last since the age of Kant. Away with all your superstitions. Serve all masses. Arise. We'll change henceforth the old tradition and spurn the dust to win the prize. That's right, the commies are back. Reds underneath your beds and that crap.